fabulous day to you all and a very warm welcome to the Greylet Cafe podcast brought to you by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus is a communications consultancy focused on engineering, infrastructure, sustainability, and research. With me, with you today is Inji Musa, political scientist and teaching associate at Cambridge University, and I'm very honored to be accompanied by Mr. Anthony Haynes, creative director of Frontinus, in this edition of our podcast that focuses on writing reports. Greetings, Mr. Anthony. Greetings, Inji. So seeing the richness and importance of writing reports across different professions, really, it's perhaps most useful to establish a common ground by identifying what do we mean by a report in this episode. Well, that's an important practical question. It's not just a a sort of scholastic question. Um, The word report is ambiguous. Different people mean different things by it, and and you run into problems with report writing where different stakeholders are giving different meanings to the word report, but they don't necessarily know that they differ. They have a difference of opinion. I would, uh, for simplicity's sake, I would define, I would say there are two, really two, ways of thinking about a report. Literally, the Latin root of the word simply means carry back. Mm. And so the first meaning of report is a report on the past uh, to explain an account of what happened. Um, recently, I was sorting through my files and I found a copy of the second piece of writing I ever published um, from the early 1990s. And it was simply a report on the conference. And all it did was describe what happened at the conference Mm. so that's one meaning of report it's an account of what's happened but very often reports look ahead and in fact the main purpose of report might be to look ahead and 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 people are interested in finding out what needs to be done or what is going to happen or or what should be done so let me give you an example there's one university department i work in where i help um, doctoral researchers with their first year reports and so they have to submit to their department a report at the end of their first year of research and often they're rather perplexed about how to do that and I think the perplexity is because you might think the phrase first year report primarily means tell us what you've been doing and it does actually mean that the department do want researchers to explain what we've been doing But it also means, tell us what your plan is. Tell us what you're going to do over the next two or three years of your doctoral research. And in fact, in the department I work in, the main purpose of the report is to assess whether the student should carry on into years two or three or whether we should just call it a day because it's not working. So this is a good example where the researchers don't necessarily realise when they're asked to write a report that they really need to give a good account of what's going to happen over the next couple of years. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. Having gone through that experience myself, <laughs> like writing reports is quite a challenging identifying what is meant by it in the first place. So, yeah. And yeah, you kind of identified a rich spectrum in that respect. And if anything, it really stresses the importance of proactively understanding what mm. is meant by a report before one proceeds with a task. So now absolutely. once one acquires this understanding, what would you say is the second step to take when one is asked to produce a report in that respect? I think the second step is um, somewhat, well, somewhat counterintuitive. Mm. What I mean by that is most people, when they've got something to write, their their sort of head is buzzing with, what am I going to say? What am I going to cover? You know, what's going to be in this report? 
Uh, what I want to say is put all those ideas out of your head, actually, and just relax. And instead of thinking about yourself and your writing, think about your audience. Mm. So the things to focus on are who do we think is going to be reading this report? Is it one type of person? Or are there actually various types of persons or various groups? Is it a multi-audience project or, or not? And then once you've tried to pin down who you think the audience is, characterise them. So do some thinking about who are they, what what are they interested in, what are they not interested in, what kind of language do they speak and think in, and Two questions I find really helpful for report writing. One is, how expert is the audience? Are they novices? Are they, you know, world-class experts or, or, or somewhere in between? And secondly, how specialist are they? Are they to what extent are they generalists? To what extent are they specialised? And often people conflate those two questions and think they are the same question and actually it's very helpful to distinguish between how specialist someone is and how expert they are excellent i think that's very very important especially that if we think of some of the audiences like in the case of the reports as judges in that respect and it's Mm. quite interesting to to kind of acknowledge the criteria of judgment before you proceed with the task Exactly. By thinking yes. of that only. So very useful comment. Thank you so much for that answer. So once we characterize that audience or the audiences, if we have multiple audiences in that respect, what would be the next step to take? I think the next step is to define the goal and articulate the goal of the report. Uh, why, are we, why are we writing this report? What's it for? What's it trying to achieve? And if you can actually write that down and say the goal of this report is that sentence or might be a paragraph is very useful for you as the author to refer to later on when you're when when you you need to remind yourself what is it i'm trying to do here it's also very helpful if you are working with co-authors or other stakeholders so very often in a report you're not working entirely on your own you're working in some sense collaboratively and making sure that you all have an agreed statement of a goal is very helpful if you don't do that you can find that actually people let's say different authors co-authors think they differ on what they think the report's trying to achieve and then then you're going to have a fairly chaotic outcome yeah definitely i should say once we've um we've identified three stages here haven't we we've identified what do we mean by a report for the particular report you're working on um, what kind of audiences are we writing for and what's the goal? I think once you've covered those three things, you've got the foundation stones in place and the likelihood of the report writing turning out to be successful is much greater for you having covered those three, put those three foundation blocks in place. If I may kind of push a bit forward then, because I think our audience will yep. not be satisfied with the foundations alone, right? <laughs> so what right. about the process of actually writing the report itself? Any so, like I would really like to hear some insights and guidance in that respect on proceeding with writing the report. Well, I think the important thing is to establish a workflow mm. in the way that a designer or a team of designers would do if they were, say, working on some product innovation. So 
it's it's difficult to be uh, specific here because I think reports and the context will vary hugely. But what I mean is identify the kinds of processes involved in writing reports. So let me give you some examples. Uh, one process is planning, mm. planning the document. Another, what's going to be in the document, another is drafting, by which I mean you start with a blank bit of paper or a blank computer screen and you cover it in text. You just generate stuff, words. Another process is redrafting, where you take what you've already written and you seek to improve it by revising it. Another process is checking, and that might be fact checking, making sure the facts are accurate. And it might be checking the language and making sure the, you know, the the apostrophes are in the right place um, and checking the spelling and typography and so on. And then there's another set of processes to do with presenting your reports to people mm. and publishing your report. So it's really important to think about how these processes going to articulate together. At what point in the process of these, uh, in the overall process of these distinct processes going to come into play and who's going to, who's going to do them. And then what's, what's the, What's the milestone? What's the deadline for each one? I just uh, put in a word of caution there. It, it, some people like to think of this as a very linear process. Mm. And to some extent, li linearity is logically implied. In other words, well, you're not going to do the planning at the end, are you? Yes. I mean, that, does, <laughs> that does have to be done early mm. on. And similarly, you can't edit something if you haven't written it. So to some extent, there is some linearity built into the nature of the processes, but not entirely. And what often happens with writing reports is it turns out to be, I don't particularly like the word, but it turns out to be recursive or cyclical. In other words, Maybe you plan something and then you draft it and then you, and then you edit it. And then when you're editing it, you think, actually, we need to go back to the planning stage. We need to rethink the, the plan a bit. Mm. So I, I often think of a process as something like a spiral. Actually. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Wow. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like when people are writing something, at least that's my case, they are usually they usually like to have like an example or a sample to use, kind of trying thinking that that will make it easier. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. So, what are your thoughts on using models for writing reports? Well, I think it often makes very good sense to identify models. After all, whatever you're writing, it's it's unlikely to be unique. It's unlikely to be the first time in history that people have had to write that type of thing. So then finding out how other people have tried to solve that problem and thinking how you can learn from what they've done makes eminent sense to me. Sometimes you can just select one model, like you've come across something and you think, actually, that report is exactly the way I want to write my reports. I'm just going to do it that, that their way. And it's very comforting when you find in that situation. Um, sometimes it makes better sense to choose more than one model, perhaps let's say two, and then you can compare and contrast and then make your own decisions. You do some critical thinking about, well, exactly how do I want to shape this? I would say when, when you're analysing the models, it's really important to do some counting. So let's supposing you've chosen a report and you think this might be a useful model for me. Do something like count how many figures they use or look at the introduction and think how many paragraphs have they got in the introduction? And then well, how many sentences have they got in each paragraph? And then how many words are there in each sentence? And do some counting. Now, it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to slavishly follow them. 
It doesn't mean that if your model has 17 words in the first sentence, you have to have 17 words in your <laughs> first sentence. But actually, why not challenge yourself and think, no, oh, that kind of seems to work. I wonder how it would be if I actually followed that template. So I think counting is a very helpful part of the process of learning from models. And if I may add here, I think it will be particularly useful, um, the counting-wise uh, particular, um, if you are working in an organization or a company and then there are like a series of reports already and you are just yeah. adding another one. So looking at past model or past reports then in that respect yes. um, is quite helpful, even in the like the peculiar details like particular number of words or particular number of paragraphs are, will be very uh, very useful to proceed uh, easier with the, with the reports. Okay, so taking all the preparatory steps that you have generously outlined for us so far, would you say that we are like now ready to start writing the report? Um, almost. almost. <laughs> okay, that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> well, I think there's another step, which is to actually set yourself some budgets. Um, it's very likely in a report that the minimum and maximum extent has been specified. In other words, you've been given a certain number of words, minimum and maximum number of words, or it might be number of characters, or it might be number of pages. But one way or another, there's usually some sort of constraints on the on the extent of the report. Mm. And so it's very useful to go back to your plan and allocate different lengths to different parts of the report. So you might say, well, I've got an introduction that's going to be, I don't know, let's say 300 words. You know, and I've got um, an explanation of the method we've used in that report, and I'm going to use you know, make a number up, 250 words, and actually actually write the budgets down. Now there is a problem there, which is if you think if you write the um, budgets purely in terms of words, you might find that's not very intuitive. So, for example, supposing you've decided to devote 375 words to a particular passage. Do you have a gut feeling for what 370 words feels like? I don't think I do. I, I find that quite difficult to achieve. And so my solution is to count, do some counting of stuff I've written before and work out how many words per sentence do I tend to use mm. and how many sentences per paragraph do I tend to write. And what that means is I can, have, I can move from a word budget to a sentence budget and then to a paragraph budget. Mm. Now, I find that much more intuitive. So let's supposing, to go back to that example where you're writing a, a passage about the method you've used in the report, and if you define a paragraph budget and you say, right, I've got three paragraphs, I find that my mind almost automatically starts making decisions. So supposing I think, well, there are two things that I absolutely have to mention in this section, and I've only got three paragraphs, so really there's only one other thing I've got to decide. Two of them are already decided for me mm. or it might be well actually i've got 12 things that i could say in this section but i've only got three paragraphs so that's not going to happen is it so i need to define which decide which nine things i'm going to leave out and quite often even asking a question makes you realize well i know what some of them are there's no room for this and there's no room for that so i find budgets of any kind but particularly paragraph budgets very helpful i I completely agree, to be honest. And I think that the move from sections to paragraph in particular, let alone like you taking us even further to sentence and words is very 
uh, important uh, from experience in terms of the uh, planning phase because I usually personally kind of stuck, get stuck a bit in the section part, maybe in the paragraphs. But then when we move mm-hmm. further, then we actually have, we, we try to break down from the very beginning and we have a bigger um, chance to not overwrite or underwrite because we know yeah. we have a fair idea from the beginning how many ideas we wish to to cover uh, and as you kindly pointed out yes. at the very end the idea of prioritizing or kind of deleting stuff from the very beginning so i think it, that's very excellent uh, point thank you so much for it well i'll just add one thing if i may which is i think it's important to keep revisiting that budget so supposing you said for your introduction, you're going to write 425 words and then you write it and it's 475 words. So it's over length. You have to do something about that. Immediately um, or later on? Well, I think you deal with it immediately. That's, thank you. That's a very helpful question. Deal with it immediately. You've gone 50 words over. What's going to happen? Logically, you can do one of two things. You can either cut it down to remove the problem or you can take 50 words off some other part of the report. But you have to do one or the other. Mm-hmm. And you better make a decision about that as early in the process as, as possible. I meet people who overwrite, and so they finish the first draft, and it's way over length, and then they've got to cut it down. And um, funnily enough, t- later today I'm starting work on a project where exactly that's happened. And, and it's thousands of words over. Wow. And, of course, this is great for me because it generates employment and I get paid for it. But <laughs> I tell you, it's a really joyless task. I've never met any author who enjoys deleting things they've written. And it's intellectually quite difficult. Yeah. And so don't give yourself a problem. Just make sure you stick to length and you monitor it and review the progress and then make decisions as you go along. Discipline is not the easiest task for writers. But definitely we need more discipline, yes. So supposing that we are disciplined and we have identified our word or paragraph budget from the start, what should be the first step when we actually get into the writing? Okay, so I think we've finally reached the stage, haven't we, where we start (laughs) writing the actual text. Um, What I would say there is test drive. So let me give an example of when you're working with co-authors. Uh, It's difficult to think about writing entirely in the abstract. So as co-authors, you might have come up with a plan together. You might have agreed the goal together and um, you're both on side about what you're going to cover. And then you might find that you go away and start writing your your various um, passages. And then you discover later in the process that you're going about it in completely different ways. So one of you might have a style that tends towards the active voice and one of them might tend towards the the passive voice or one of you might liberally use the first person and another one might um, another author might tend to evade using evade use of the first person Um, or one of you writes in quite a formal style and one of you writes in an informal style Mm. and if you only discover those um, differences later in the process that's going to involve quite a lot of rethinking and difficult editing and incidentally it tends to lead to arguments because mm. each person wants yes. to stick to the style that they've got mm. and i don't like conflict in writing projects i think mm. that's bad news yes. um 
So it's much better if you each go away and write a shortest passage of, let's say, a few hundred words and then come back and say, let's compare notes and see, you know, from the reader's point of view, is this going to feel like a kind of coherent document when we put these two different voices, two voices together? Or is it going to sound like they're different things? And it's very easy however much you think you've nailed everything down in the planning process to find when you get yeah. to the test drive stage you yeah. discover people have got radically different conceptions of what it is you're trying to do yeah i think that's that's definitely very important especially as you said if we wait until the very end there have been lots of investment of time and effort in writing so even if it doesn't include hmm. an argument some one of them, if not both of the authors, if they are two, have to do rewriting again, yes. which is not a pleasant experience for for either of them, like and time consuming. So yeah, yes. highly highly recommended. And to personally, I will try to do that when I'm co-authoring. So if I may, you kind of give us an example of where you have multiple authors working on a report. Mm. Do I take from that, or kind of can I assume that for those people who are working on individual reports, can they just go ahead and and proceed with the writing? No, good question. I, I think I think the point still applies. So you still need in a, a test slightly drive. different way. Okay. Yeah, do a test drive, and for a slightly different reason, which is even when you've done your budgeting, it's quite difficult to work out how long it's going to take to cover something mm. and you might find that you you set out aiming to write 300 words on something and then as you're going along you think actually this is going to this needs a thousand words and often you only really discover that by trying it out and seeing how it feels in practice so i think the test driving is important for individual authors as well as co-authors yeah Completely agree. Okay, so I must admit that you shared so many insightful things for us today, and I personally would like to go and read even more on it. So, what recommendations would you have for us to to go and dig more into writing reports? Well, I I'd like to mention three resources, and I I won't give the exact citations mm -hmm. here because I'll put them in the show notes. Excellent. But um, uh, University of New South Wales has a very good section on their website about various aspects of writing and i think their resource on how to uh, write reports is very helpful the second thing i mention is uh, might might seem like a rather eccentric recommendation because it's a book published in 1964 <laughs> in a completely different world it's called writing technical reports it's a, a pelican publication by Bruce Cooper. Mm. The reason I mention it is uh, I think it's beautifully written mm. and I think it's very, very perceptive and an awful lot of the perceptions actually still apply, you know, half a century or more later. And then the third resource I'm going to mention is um, the Charles Institute of Editors and Proofreaders mm. has a good section on their website about how to make use of editors and proofreaders. And the reason I mention it's very practical advice. It covers, for instance, the question of how to brief the editor or proofreader so you get them to do the things, exactly what it is that you need from them. And I've just finished by mentioning, uh, flagging up a problem there. And I, I see this as an editor myself. I see it a lot. People really underestimate 
how much time you need to approach an editor and give them a chance to build stuff into their schedule and do things properly and the number the number of times authors come to me and say well actually we've got a really pressing deadline and I think well that's your problem really isn't it Mm. it's like well if you've got a really pressing deadline frankly why are we starting this discussion now and not three weeks ago completely agree excellent thank you so much professor for such an enriching uh, talk today um your expertise have always been um, very enriching for me personally. I'm sure it has been for our audience uh, as well. So thank you so much for your time and generous uh, talk today. Thank you. Well, <laughs> thank you, Inji, for your kind words, but thank you for the opportunity. I've really, really enjoyed discussing the topic. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. This was Inji Musa with Anthony Haynes. Grey Lit Cafe is edited by Dr. Bart Hallmark and produced by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus specializes in grey literature forms such as proposals, publications, papers, and reports. The music is from Handel's Water Music, courtesy of the United States Marine Band and Marine Chamber Orchestra. See you next time. Bye.